listening to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. Stories of faith, love, life, loss, and eternity. Welcome to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast, episode 34. Today, we get to chat to the amazing Kaz Bamford. Kaz is the 2IC of Hillsong Film and TV. Now based in Sydney, Kaz was born in South Africa and talks about the challenges and triumphs of moving to the UK and eventually Sydney, with a stopover in Adelaide in there as well. Kaz talks about her career path of managing people and working in the television and music industries. She shares candidly about hardships, her faith journey, and so much more. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Kaz Bamford. Yes, I was born in South Africa in Cape Town and um, I lived there till I was about 12 or 13. And, and then my sister, my mum and I, we moved um, back to the UK. What are some of your early memories from childhood in South Africa? Before my parents got divorced, like we lived on a big kind of old flower farm. And um, we had like rabbits and chickens. And um, so I remember like just always being surrounded by animals. Like we had dogs and stables where, I don't think there were any horses, but it was a massive property. Oh. And just, yeah, I remember like, well, I remember going into like the chicken, like it was quite a big thing, like full of like chickens and rabbits and going in there with my dad to like look for eggs. Mm. Um, and then just, yeah, going in and playing with like all the bunny rabbits. Um, so those are probably some of my earliest memories of childhood, I would say. Wow, and you grew flowers. Yeah, well, we didn't actually, I mean, had a massive garden. It used to be like an old flower farm, but we didn't actually, like, we, like obviously we had loads of flowers in the garden, but we didn't kind of do anything with them other than my sister and I sometimes standing at the end of the road with like a makeup, like a make, a made up kind of, you know, table, trestle table. And we would have flowers on there that people could stop by. Like a out. lemonade stand. Yeah, like a lemonade stand, but for flowers. Cute. Um, and what was family life like for you? My parents got divorced when I was six. Mm. So um, I think up until then it had been like, it had been quite idyllic, like living on this massive kind of property and just kind of having free reign. And, and then when I was six, my parents got divorced, which was was quite a shock. I still, it's funny, I remember like my mum telling, like telling us that they were going to split up. And I felt like after that things, like after that things definitely changed, because obviously we had to, like we moved, we had to sell the property, and then yeah we moved into like a much smaller house, and then I had to like switch schools, which wasn't a great experience. So I feel like the first like up until six it was just all like really romantical and whimsical and just like just felt like really secure, and I think. Mm kind of once you hit six and parents got divorced that your whole kind of security and everything kind of just went um yeah so I think from then once I changed schools like I struggled with the whole school change and then when I was 13 then we moved to the UK and that was another massive uproot because you're leaving school again Mm. leaving your friends behind and leaving my dad behind and then yeah so it was Huge. It was quite mixed. It was quite a mixed childhood, I think, if I look back on it. I don't, like, I often don't go back and think about it, but, like, now if I think about it, I'm like, my childhood was definitely quite mixed. And was spirituality or religion or God part of your world at all? Yeah, because it's funny, my dad was, like, a um, Sunday school teacher and was part of, like, a kind of Church of England church and was kind of very active in that. So we kind of grew up going to Sunday school and yeah doing all of that and um, my dad like every kind of weekend that we would spend with my dad would always go to church and we were quite involved in Sunday school and then up until we moved back to the UK like I was quite involved in like going to church camps and doing all of that so I think I had an awareness of kind of God from an early age but it was literally like it literally is like typical stuff you get taught in Sunday school mm-hmm. um, but other than that like I knew God existed and like I knew the whole typical like biblical stuff that you get taught in in Sunday school but that was there wasn't kind of any more awareness. And so how did you find the culture shock of moving to the UK? Oh, I was it was a massive culture shock like I remember when um 
I remember going to school and like people asking me and my sister what what, what was it like for you guys living in a normal house like because you must be used to living in mud huts and what's it like for you guys to wear clothes because all they wear in Africa is like grass skirts oh wow yeah it was like it was insane and also like because when we lived in South Africa it was a whole apartheid era Mm. so you'd come from you know everything being segregated like down you know like shops being segregated and beaches being segregated and schools being segregated and not saying it's acceptable but that's the life that you that's all you kind of knew do you know what I mean yeah then all of a sudden you come to England where you're in like a normal kind of environment where all of a sudden you're like everything's kind of like mixed so from that point of view it was like again it was like a big like it was I think it was a culture shock but it wasn't a culture shock like if I look back on it at the time, I wouldn't have thought it was, but looking back on it, I'm like, I'm sure that played a part in a culture shock. And then you were dealing with people at school, like asking the most ridiculous questions and even things like, or like, did you go to school in South Africa? Like, do schools, do schools exist? Like this, do you know what I mean? So you were mm. navigating all of these like real like ignorant people as mm. well as trying to adjust to living in a new country and making new friends. And uh, yeah, it was a complete foreign environment. Um, compared to what we were used to like schools were so different like the school I was in in South Africa was just so small and that was like one class per year and then I went into like a almost like went straight into a high school in the UK where so they had like the first form second form and then third form so I started in the third form so I'd missed the first two years of everyone bonding in the high school Mm -hmm. and so trying to navigate that yeah like my school years for me were not like were not enjoyable were you an academic kid? No. <laughs> I was, no, I definitely wasn't academic. I am, and I wasn't creative because I remember my art teacher saying to me, why can't you be more artistic like your sister? Oh, and I'd helpful. just be like, yeah, because I'm, like, I'm not an artist, I don't paint. Um, but for me, like, I really enjoyed, like, the practical subjects. Like, I loved, like, home economics, like, the cooking classes, and I loved mm-hmm. the needlework classes. So I loved those kind of practical classes where... It was more kind of practical, and I was also like really, believe it or not, I was really sporty. Mm-hmm. So I was like in the tennis teams, the swimming teams. Um, like in South Africa, I kind of I got quite high up in tennis. So I really I enjoyed that side of sc- of school. I definitely wasn't academic. I like scraped through all of my exams. I think some of it was just laziness. I just wasn't interested. So when it came to studying, I just was like, nah, I'm not that interested. And was church still part of your world in the UK or not anymore? Yeah, no, when we moved to um, the UK, my mum connected with my godparents, like she'd known them for ages, and they were part of um, like a charismatic church in the area that we lived in. My mum started going along to church with them, and then my sister and I started going because they were like kids kind of our age. So pretty much from once we got back to the UK within six months, yeah, my mum has started taking us to... A local kind of charismatic church and then my mum got saved we kind of kept going and like again I just I was like I'm not interested this isn't for me but oh yeah we pretty much didn't have any choice my mum was like yeah, we're going <laughs> so yeah did you um not believe or you just weren't interested I did believe but I think I was just like I think part of me was I definitely believed like I still had that Sunday school you know all the biblical stuff in your head and going you know like some of the scriptures that I remember now I only, I only know them because I remember learning them at on Sunday school camps mm. um I just think I was like really angry with God and just like battling with like I hated school I just yeah like didn't like living in a foreign country and then on top of that we were going to a church that was just you know because it was quite charismatic I'd been used to going to like Church of England Sunday school and youth youth so mm-hmm. to go to a charismatic church where um you know, people raised their hands and people was, you know, talking in the Holy with the Holy Spirit, talking in tongues. It was just such a foreign world. I didn't, I just didn't agree with, you know, what people were kind of saying about God. I was like, that's kind of not my experience. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so I kind of fought against it for a while. But, um, yeah, I just kept going every Sunday. <laughs> we're going to church. It's like, okay. Yay. Um, but then we started, like, making friends, you know what I mean? So then mm-hmm. you started going because your friends that you made like I didn't really make I had some good friends at school but I made a lot better friends like people that I'm still in touch with now were people that I um, was at church with when I was like 14, 15 yeah right and whereas I'm not in touch with any anyone that I went to school with or 
so I definitely made some like lifelong friends at church. Wow. Yeah. And so you mentioned you're into the home economics and the sport. Did yeah. you know what you wanted to do when you left well, school? Yeah, like when I left school, I'd always kind of thought when I was younger that I wanted to be a teacher and that I kind of carried that up until about 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And then once I got into doing um, like cooking and that kind of stuff, I decided that I wanted to go into catering and I wanted to be a chef. Ah. So when I left school, I actually went to catering college for two years and trained to be a chef. How was that? It was awesome. Like that for me was the best part of my education. As soon as I got to college, I just, yeah, I, I loved it. Like I loved the people that I did college with and I loved the course. I loved that whole aspect for me. I guess that's my creativity. Like when I cook, I love cooking. So yeah, I loved it. Like, yeah, trained for two years. It was probably the most fun two years of education I've had. It didn't feel like education. Mm. It felt like you were just having fun going into college every day and cooking up dishes and you know and experimenting and hanging out with your friends and did you become a chef no (laughs) I spent um after I finished college after I finished the two years like then I went to the states for eight weeks and then when I got back I just I think I'd worked for six months in the industry and then I just decided that I didn't want to be working weekends and nights when all my friends were out socializing yeah so yeah I didn't I didn't kind of pursue and also it's really funny but the um like I mean I'm sure it's changed but way back when it was very male dominated and um to work like working in kitchens in that male dominated industry I was like oh no it's like it was quite coarse and quite it just I was like no I don't want to work I don't want to work in kitchens like this I don't want to work in this environment so so what did you do it's really funny. While I was at college, I worked for McDonald's, as everyone does. McDonald's? Um, yeah, I worked for McDonald's when I was at college to, like, earn money. And um, and I, wait, I made my way up through McDonald's. Like, I did the management thing, and I became not the store manager, but the one below the store manager. Mm-hmm. So I went back, and I pretty much did that full-time for two years. Oh, wow. And then, and then I was about to get offered a store, to run a store, but then through the local church that I go to that the part of the network they were part of they run this year which was called training in evangelism which you would go and spend a year you could either stay in your home church or you could go and, and work in another local church that was affiliated to the network that it was part of and do like a year of like evangelism so I don't know like street teams where you go and do stuff on the streets and then talk to people about Jesus or you go door knocking or you go and do things in old people's homes and or you went to like youth rallies and you were part of that um, and you trained for a year in evangelism as part of a local church so yeah so I decided that I would that that's what I wanted to do. In high school you kind of didn't want to keep going. I know in high school got to the stage where I was I think I don't know I was 15 and we went to it was an Easter weekend like because the church used to go away for like Easter every year as a church and that was when I made like a decision that I was gonna follow God because I remember sitting right at the back of the auditorium just like thinking I was too cool for school and what was I doing here and um, and then I just remember really clearly God saying to me and they didn't also call like where they you know asked people if they wanted to give their lives to Jesus and I remember sitting in the back of the auditorium and I remember very clearly God saying to me, you can either choose to sit in the back row for the rest of your life and just have the attitude that you've got, or you can choose to make a decision to follow me and have your life changed. And I just knew without a shadow of a doubt that I just needed to go up to the front and repent and just give my life to God. So wow. that's what I did. I'm always interested as well when people talk about God speaking to them. Like, what does that look like or sound like for you? I think for me, actually, I hear, like, I feel like I hear a voice in my head. Mm. I literally feel like I just, I'm almost like, you almost get to the stage where you're almost like kind of arrested in silence. And then I just hear God say, I just hear God talk. And it's like, it doesn't happen like, I think because it doesn't happen daily, it's not like a regular thing. Yeah. So when I do hear God really clearly about certain things, like I know it's from him because it's just not something, it's not something that happens every day. Mm. That makes sense. And it's not one of your thoughts. It's No. Yeah. I wouldn't have sat there thinking, <laughs> I need to go up to the front yeah. and repent and the make God have my yeah. life. And um, yeah, but I also knew like I just, like I didn't want to be this angry I don't want to sit there with all that anger like I didn't want to be this angry person and then so skipping forward 
you did that year of training? Yeah, so I did that year of training and then um, finished that year and then um, came back to my local church and then I kind of just think for six months I kind of just got involved like just doing things at church was so random now like I was working at a pub just behind the bar mm-hmm. for six months and then there was a company in the UK which doesn't exist anymore called Woolworths which was I guess it's like the Australian equivalent of Big W um, and they like had a management program so I applied to do the management program and to become like a store manager because I guess I'd, I had that experience of managing working for McDonald's yeah so I got accepted and started and yeah, worked and became like an assistant store manager and then worked in retail for, well, I mean, I worked for that company for 10 years, but my role within that 10 years changed. So Wow, you were there yeah. for 10 years? Yeah, not in stores. Like I think for the last, I then got to a stage where I was like, I don't want to work in retail for the rest of my life. And I, and, um, I had like a real passion for like the music industry in the UK and being part of that. And I like I just I don't know how I was ever going to get there like working in the retail, um, but then Wolves obviously had a head office, like they had a buying office. They were part of like a bigger group, and within the bigger group they had other retail companies, and they had like a company that was just purely sold music and video content. And then I left Woolworths and I went to work for this other company for two, 18 months as like a store manager, which was good because it really helped. It actually really increased my knowledge of music because that's all you were selling and you'd have people come and ask you questions about this, that and the other. And and then from that, my old boss had um, let me know of a couple of jobs in communications that were going at Woolworths head office. I applied for that and then got a job as a um, assistant communications manager, being responsible for all communication that went out to stores for music and DVDs. A role came up for assistant product manager for music, which was like an assistant assistant music buyer. So I applied for that role and I got that role. Um, and so that, that was awesome. That was, you would work with like all the record labels, like with all their new, um, like what albums were coming out and what you were forecast to sell. And then all the marketing side of that, that, okay, well, the single's coming out, like what advertising's happening, what magazines are going in, what TV shows is going in. Like it was also like a real, a really fun lifestyle. Like you, you do your nine to five job, and then, you know, you got to go to like the Brit Award shows, and you got to, you got to go to all the album release parties, and you got wow. to meet, you know, you got to meet. Um, like for me, like I got to meet some of my, you know, childhood heroes like George Michael, and you, you know, people like Beyonce, or I don't know. You just got to meet. I just got to meet a lot of really mm. fun people. So I did that role for kind of three years. Amazing. So you've done a lot. I'm interested to hear about like over the years that you managed people and I mean I've worked in retail customer service meeting a lot of people every day and how did you kind of navigate that and what was your experience of that as a Christian in that kind of environment? I think like it's hard it's definitely but I always remember like one of my old managers saying to me treat people as you as you want to be treated Mm. and that that's always stuck with me it's just like so even like when you're managing team and like some of the customers that we used to get and some of the attitude and the rudeness and it's like you know and I'm not saying every time I was perfect and handled it you know as a Christian would do but I think always 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 trying to remember that treat people as you would like to be treated Mm -hmm. and it helps you kind of be accountable within that but like, I mean, I was young. I was like 18 when I started managing people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like really young. And a lot of them you were managing, like your peers, you were managing your friends. You kind of, I fumbled my way through it and you kind of learn as you went. But I feel like in all the kind of roles that I had, I always had someone above me or someone who was my manager that I was just really fortunate that God just put really cool managers as my kind of line manager. Mm-hmm. So... I either learned a lot from watching and observing Um, and then also you see you would see like church leadership how people in church led and then it's like hey well how do I then apply that to what I do every day with the people that I'm responsible for but it definitely it definitely is a journey and um, like a similar journey now even with managing people it's a constant journey and yeah it can it can be quite tough and I definitely have had some big fails and I've had some big wins and I think 
you have to take the learnings from the big fails and you have to move on and you know a lot of kind of like apologies along the way and being open to people criticizing you in the way that you manage and oh if I was in that role this is how I would do it so you kind of have to almost like develop like a not like a hardness but you have to develop that side of you where okay well I've just got to take this on the chin and how am I going to navigate this and what am I going to do moving forward but yeah definitely some big fails along the way (laughs) and so coming into that music industry which had been your dream how did you kind of navigate your faith with that that was really hard I have to be honest I felt like a lot of the time I had one foot in the world and one foot in church like within that process of working in the industry like I also had a massive relationship breakup but yeah that was hard like you know you'd go to like parties and like people be in the toilets doing coke and it was like free bars you know what I mean and it was just like you know have a glass of this or have a glass of that and then you know the next thing you know you've probably had one too many and then and then obviously go to going to like church on a Sunday and it was a whole different environment and so I actually for me that was at times it was really hard I definitely felt like I had one foot in and one foot out but I remember like one of the things I was really passionate about was a lot of the retail stores in the UK like just didn't sell Christian music like if you wanted to buy Christian music then you had to go to like kind of specialty stores and I remember like one of the things that I was really passionate about was was getting like Christian music because we had like the top 100 in the like on the wall you know top 100 albums and one of the things that I was really wanted to see was because they were Christian albums that released but uh, like us company just wouldn't stop them Um, and they were um, you know albums that um, kind of charted and I remember at the time like Delirious I don't know if you remember them yeah Christian band and um, they released albums and like and they did quite well because I think everyone was like go out this week and buy the new Delirious album and um, and like Arsenal wouldn't sell them and um, and that was one of the things I was most passionate about and like before I left my role we had like two Christian albums in the top 100 Oh, wow. So, like, so that, yeah, that was exciting. But, um, and I think that was the first time that I became like aware of Hillsong music and the Hillsong, because by that time I was going to Hillsong London and I remember them talking about a Christian album that had been released and how it had gone to like number one in Australia. And I remember seeing in like meetings going, there's a, you know, there's an album in Australia, a Christian album, and it's, you know, it's gone to like number one. And I'm like, you know, there's a market for this music and like, why aren't we doing it? And so I remember being passionate about that. But yeah, it could, it was, it was, it was a hard journey, one in, one out, one in, one out. Because you literally would, you'd finish a nine to five job and then pretty much three or four nights a week you were out at some party or out at some album release or mm. some product launch or this got people like, record labels like coming like to want to take you out for dinner or you know yeah and it's hard because like no one likes a kind of in that industry as well like no one likes a boring kind of no I don't want to drink or do you know what I mean so I was the sort of person that after I had one one a couple of drinks like I just became like different in fact that I was really outgoing quite loud almost like the life and soul of the party mm-hmm. and then you'd get Kaz have a few drinks like when you're like that you're literally like the life and soul of the party you're like because usually you're so quiet you're so reserved and then and then it's like that whole thing of acceptance or well, if I have a couple of drinks then I'm going to be accepted because then I'm like this crazy fun Kaz everyone wants to have around but if I don't then I'm like this boring I constantly had to navigate that journey that was tough at times and then you know yeah just just so many times I remember okay then I'll have a drink and then like waking up the next day going oh my gosh I can't believe I did that so yeah it was it was yeah it was a it was a journey and so for anyone who's listening who might find themselves in a similar position would you have any advice reflecting back on that it's funny I think I feel like I didn't really have a proper understanding and a proper relationship with Jesus like I feel I didn't really get that until I came out to Australia and came to college and all of a sudden my whole I just felt like my whole relationship with God just went to a whole new level and my whole understanding went to a whole new level I realized for the first time like who I was in God and I realized like my security was in God and not in man and mm. you know that I was made in God's image and this is who he's created it to be because then I always used to be like 
oh god why like you know i wish like i wish i could be like this all the time i wish i could be this fun outrageous funny cas like all the time because that's the cas that everyone that i'm working with seems to want to hang out with and seems to want to be with mm-hmm. um i did i had no comprehension really of being made in god's image and um this is who god created me to be and i think having that really knowing that now yeah. um obviously being older and wiser like I would approach that whole that whole period so differently because I just didn't have the security and all the knowledge of that I do now of God and I think it was because I literally had that two year intense time of doing kind of Bible college and being in this environment that I was in as well like you're 100% kind of in it like you're not in just going to church on a Sunday and then you have your life kind of during the week it was like for me it was like a real like radical transformation. Wow. So what brought you over to college here in Australia? Well, I'd had a really, a really, really bad, like I mentioned before, a really bad relationship breakup, which, yeah, that was tough. Um, and took, like it took me a good, took like a good two years to get over. Yeah. Um, and then... On top of that, during that period, I had like a new manager. I got a new manager at work who was just a really, he was just like a bully, basically. He would be like, yeah, so he'd introduce me to like everyone as like Leslie the lesbian. And then he would like answer my phone at work and go, Leslie's phone. And I was just like, almost like shell shocked. And then we'd go out for dinner with supplies and he'd be like, Kaz, you can't order that on the menu. You're too fat. You can't eat that. Just constantly like that. And then I was just like, it got to the stage where um, I ended up getting signed off. I just remember one day at work, I was like, I, actually can't, I literally cannot do this anymore. And I went to the doctor and um, and I got signed off with stress. Wow. And then a friend of mine was like, I'm going to college. Like, why don't you come with me? And I was just like, oh, why don't, why don't I want to go to Bible college? I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I've got no desire. She was like, oh, it's in Australia. I'm sure there's not, um, I'm sure there's other courses. And then I thought, oh, so I looked into it and I saw like, that a TV and media course and I was like oh maybe I could go and do that for a year retrain because because the thing is as well like that was the only industry in my proper adult professional that I knew and I really loved working in the music industry I was like maybe I can go to college and I can retrain and then I can come back and I can like be involved in making music videos because I think like you know especially all the rap videos you see with all these scantily clad girls and stuff like that and I was just like that's just not healthy and I was like I want to be involved in making a difference visually so I was like okay well maybe I do go to college and then I was like oh well I'll just like I'll just apply and see like see if I get a visa and at the same time because I was having such a hard time at work I was like applying for like other jobs within the kind of industry and every job was just like jobs that literally like people like you're going to get this your name's all over it Mm. I just didn't get like really weird like no kind of valid reason Mm. and then I was like oh well I've got nothing to lose I might as well think English will probably get probably won't get it and literally within I think a month of applying for it all like I got accepted into college I got my visa and I was like well I guess I'm going to Australia then (laughs) and um and I was like I'll just go for a year just like retrain you know get a new skill it'd be good to come back to London I've got you know all this this kind of music working in the industry and doing all of that and then on top of that I'll have some tv skills Mm. And then, yeah, so the plan was just to come up for a year. And the friend who said t- t- to me about coming, she never even came in the end. So there I was <laughs> on my own. So I did, um, like, half Bible and then half TV. Mm. And then the second year, um, they didn't do TV at that time. So I did um, a full – my whole second year was Bible college. Wow. But everything I did at weekends and all of my kind of student volunteer hours were all within, like, the TV team at church. Amazing. And so you mentioned that it was a really positive thing being in that church environment, learning your value in God, who you were. Did you also enjoy the TV side of it? Yeah, it's funny. I remember remember the first time I walked into the control room at church just being so overwhelmed, like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I literally had no TV experience. I'd never picked up a camera. Mm. I couldn't tell you what to do, like, didn't even know what the word editing meant. Like, I think as well, I was literally the only one in my intake that had no TV, had nothing, had never done TV before. Everyone had had some form of, you know, filming or being on cameras or everyone had something, and I literally had nothing and just going... 
God, I just, I was like, maybe I'm on the wrong course. And then I was like, no, I'm going to push through. And then I remember sitting, I think it was like the second week, sitting in a production management class. And I was like, right, this is, this is, this is like the side of TV that I feel like um, I get. Yeah. And, uh, which was the managing, organizing, all the logistical side. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, this is a side of TV that I feel like I can. I feel like just felt like home. And then we spoke before about the culture shock of moving from South Africa to the UK. Yeah. How was the culture shock coming to Australia? I didn't really find it a culture shock because I feel like the Australian lifestyle is very similar to South African lifestyle okay. in terms of it's the same seasons at the same time, like it's mm. very outdoors, it's quite family focused. And also, to be honest, after living in London for 10 years in that hectic pace and then coming from a situation where I was just literally like I'd come from being signed off sick with stress because of everything that was going on and um, it was almost like just a, a kind of breathe and a relief just to be in a different environment mm. um, and just to get away from everything like like the whole relationship breakup I remember someone saying to me I feel like you're running away and I was like I don't feel like I don't feel like I am running away I feel very clearly that this is like this is what God has said to do and the fact that everything just kind of opened up and I remember a couple of people saying I think you're running away I think you're running away from everything that happens at work and I think you're running away from that relationship breakup and I was like well a that relationship breakup was two years ago and b I just don't think that I'm running away but I remember people sitting on the fence with me some thinking it was a really good idea and some thinking I think you're running away so a culture shock I didn't really it was a culture shock being a student again and like because I got here and I was, yeah. I was like 35 so that was a massive culture shock for me all of a sudden you know gone from having like a really good income yeah and just you know disposable income and living in London and, and you get to college and you're a college student and you're like you know college have the rule where like you can't drink if you're a student mm. um so from that point of view it was a cult it was a massive lifestyle adjustment and you know like went from living you know, like in an apartment in London with like a really good friend and you ended up living with like, you know, five other girls that were all a lot younger than me and, you know, all international, like a couple of them didn't speak much English. So the whole college side of moving to Australia was probably a big culture shock, but actually Australia wasn't. You're listening to Sparrows and Wildflowers, episode 34 with Kaz Bamford. You can listen to other episodes in this series on SoundCloud or on iTunes, like my conversation with Chris Cipollone. I got checked into a psych hospital knowing that on my 30th birthday, my two kids and my wife were going to be at home and I was going to wake up in a hospital bed. And it was like the most low point of my life. On the Monday that I got checked in after, so the 22nd of September, we had like this physical training session because they were like, this is part of getting better is your physical health. And I passed out during the workout session. I remember coming to consciousness on the floor of this psych hospital. And that was like the low point. You know, I'd been waiting for this light bulb moment in the lead up, but it actually happened in that moment. We sing a song at church called Desert Song, which is by Hillsong United. And there's this bridge in the song and the lyric is all of my life in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. And I was unconscious on the floor. And as I came to, like, I I literally couldn't talk. And just in my conscious thought, these words came into my head. And like in every season of my life, God is still God. And because God is still God, I still have a reason to sing and a reason to worship. It was a crisis point, but it was also a turning point because I realized that my faith was actually a profound reality in this journey of mental illness. That was an excerpt from my conversation with Chris Cipollone in episode 23. And now back to this episode with Kaz Bamford. When I finished college, I moved down to Adelaide for just under three years. I went down to work in their TV, t- TV team down there as as the kind of 2IC to the head of TV down there. At a different Adelaide. church? Yeah, different church in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did that. And then six months after I'd been there, the guy who was running the team, he decided that it, um, he felt his time was up and he was more pastoral. 
So I then got asked to run the team, which I did. But the TV team there encompassed like the web team, the marketing team, um, there were elements of production. Um, so it was like it was a small team, but we carried a lot of the church. I was really fortunate and um, had a really good relationship with the senior pastors. Ashley especially, Pastor Ashley, he really took me under his wing. Yeah, and I was, it was a real time of kind of growing um, and learning. And it's funny because I had an email from Ashley last year and he said to me, oh, I was preaching last Sunday and I was, I was like preaching about you. And I was like, I was like, really? What, like, what are you preaching about me? And he goes, I always use you as an example as like you were Joseph. Like he said, you, you learn how to serve like serve me well and serve my vision well and and I was just like it's really funny because the thing that God taught me the most when I was down there was about learning how to upward manage mm. and learning how to see serve under senior leadership yeah and it, I mean it was like it was hard again because I'd gone from Sydney where I just got established with friends and I moved to Adelaide again where I knew no one and I was in a church where although it was like Pentecostal church it's culturally was very different to Hillsong so, you know, that was a journey. Um, and a much slower pace down in Adelaide. Yeah, definitely a lot slower pace. And <laughs> a lot more old school Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it was a struggle at times, but I know that I couldn't do now what I'm doing if I hadn't have spent the time down there. And I'm really thankful to Ashley and Jane for what they invested in me and allowed me to grow and develop and... Yeah, and I count it as like a real privilege that I got to be down there. For, well, I got to be there for the time that I was there. But I always knew it was a season. Like it's when I, because I remember having a big battle with God about going down there and just like, oh, I just, I just want to go back to London. I just want to get stuck into Hills in London and I just want to make music videos and um, just do that. And I was just, I just felt God say, it's not, no, I want you to go to Adelaide for a, um, a season and serve there and I, and I remember arguing and fighting with God going are you joking what like I just don't understand why are you sending me there <laughs> it's like and I but I just knew again it was one of those times where I just heard God really clearly and I was just like okay I'll be obedient so off I went to Adelaide <laughs> and so when that season was up you got a phone call that brought you yeah, to Sydney yeah so Ben um so Ben just randomly Facebooked me out of the blue going, I don't suppose you know any production managers that would be interested in moving to Sydney and working um, working with me or working for me in the TV team. And I was like, oh, I might be interested. Because by then I just, I'd really felt my season was up and I'd been talking to Ashley about leaving and potentially going back to the UK. Um, and then yeah, the, the timing of it happened and then, but again, like I wasn't sure. So I said to Ben, I, you know, I came up, I had all my interviews and then I went home, had to go, why Hillsong applied for a visa for me, I had to go home because of some visa discrepancies. So I went home to the UK, and I was in the UK for about three months, and then I was just like, I actually don't wanna, I actually love being back, I don't wanna go back to Australia. Mm. And I was half praying that my visa wouldn't get, wouldn't come through. Yeah. And then I got the email um, saying that my visa had come through. So I came back to Sydney, yeah, in this role, actually not convinced that it was what I wanted to do, it was where I wanted to be. But again, I just felt God say, that's where I want you to be. Yeah, it was really funny. I was just like, I wasn't super pumped to come back. I wasn't super pumped to be doing what I was doing. Um, but I just <laughs> I knew, I just knew that this was, this was like the next season for me. I always joke that if God had told me when I told, said I'd come out to Australia for a year, that you know, 12 years later I'd still be here, I never would have gone that plane. Yeah. I'd have been like, no, I'm staying, it's okay, I'm not coming. And so that must be really hard, being away from your family. Mm. Do you have any reflections you would share about that experience? It's definitely hard, being away from family, like 100%. Like there's no one, there's no one like your family. Like I was talking to a friend last night and she was like, you know, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Like your family is your family and that's who you, you're stuck with to a certain degree. Um, I actually think it's got harder. I actually think it's got harder the longer that I've been away. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think it's harder because like, like my mum is getting older and my sister's got kids. 
yeah so you kind of miss out on all of you miss out on the day-to-day of that kind of stuff do you know what I mean like this the schools events all that like in the, over the last two years my sister went through a marriage breakup and that was really hard being away yeah like seeing seeing her go through that and not being around was really tough in in one sense having said that like I've kind of been used to that because my dad's lives in South Africa so when we mm. moved to the UK when I was 13 like we left my dad behind I've grown up with my family not being together yeah but I think I definitely think it, I definitely think it's got harder as I've got older um yeah like I said like my sister going through a marriage breakup and not being around for that and her having three kids now like you just you don't, you don't get to know them as well as you get to know them, I guess, if you're living like day to day. As emotional as that is, I feel like God, God gives you the right, like he, he, he's always given you like the, or given me like the right people. So there's people that he puts in your life that become, I become your family. I've always kind of had the right people around me at the right time that kind of fill some of those voids. I think when you've got really, really good friends, they do become like your family and one of the really good things about being part of this church and is there's so many people like me that are here on their own and don't have family and their family's out the side of the world so you kind of form that bond with people that you can relate to them in a different way because they understand not do you know what I mean not having family around yeah and then I'm really fortunate now like my best friend and her husband and kids have moved over from South Africa and that's for me as like family and another really good friend has just moved over so I feel like I'm blessed with who God's put around me at this time, but I don't think, like my best friend, her parents have been over for six weeks from South Africa and they just went back on Monday. And we were having this whole conversation about goodbyes never get easier, they just suck. Like, you know, you think mm. as you get older as well, like, oh, like goodbye, you know, but then it's always that goodbye, but then I actually don't know when I'm gonna see you again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard. But yeah, I don't think it's an easy one. I don't find it easy to navigate. Some people might do, but I don't I don't find it easy. So it was around 18 months ago that you got the news that the TV and film department that you had two IC of, of yeah. about 15, 16 odd people, would be taking on the task of starting the Hillsong channel. Can you tell us about getting that news? To be honest, I think it was like almost like unbelief. Like, you know, when you get told something and you think it's like in the far and distant future and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we're launching a channel and like excitement at the same time. And I was a complete mixture of like surprise and shock and, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? And I can't believe that I would get to be a part of this and help me, Jesus. Like it was a whole combination of all of those emotions just like rolled into one. Like, you know, you'd go from one moment of going, are you serious? Are you crazy? How are we going <laughs> to do this to like... I can't believe I get to be a part of this to like how are we going to make this happen and then like so it was a complete roller coaster of emotions yeah like I just remember so many times of just having my head in my hands going, <laughs> how on earth are we going to do this but you know one thing that I always say and I don't just say it because I say it I say it because I know it's true that this is God's house and um, and God looks after his house and you know if he had called us as a house to launch a channel then he was going to bring the right people in that were needed and no one is ever more important than that you know I know as a team we've had you know along the way we've had some key team that have left and I've always said it's God's house he knows who's needed in his house and you'll bring the right people in I've always held on to that that you know this is God's house and whoever God needs and wants in his house to do what he's asked us to do he'll bring those people in so I think at the back of my mind when you know you went through the road across of emotions I always had the insurance and I remember saying that to Ben so many times God's, God's gonna bring the right people in at the right time like it's his house he wouldn't just say you're launching a channel it's over to you like we've done this with God fully in the mix and almost kind of like leading the way and knowing as well that you know God's gone before us 
like we weren't walking down a path that God hadn't gone down. And I think just knowing that, that God had gone before us and it's his house and the right people will come at the right time. And they have, like it's been amazing who God's brought in at the timing that he's brought in. And sometimes you sit there and you wonder like why people aren't coming quicker or why things aren't happening, but God's timing is perfect. And it's kind of not, I've learned sometimes just not to question things, just to be like, oh, well, it'll happen when it's meant to happen. And God knows what he's doing. And, you know, so often they would, they just became, they were just like phrases that you would kind of just roll off your tongue. But I've learned last year that that's so true. Mm. Um, And yeah. You know, it's God's timing. He's perfect. He's gone before us. He's ordained the way. It's his house. He'll look after it. He'll bring in who he needs to. And it's a 24-hour channel. So that channel, yes, 24-7 content. Um, we Hillsong do 15 hours of original content every week. Um, and then 12 hours, 12 hours on the channel every day is us. And then 12 hours is all other paid programming. Mm-hmm. We, we generate about 15 hours of new content each week. And wow. before that, you know, we did like on a weekend, we do like weekend testimonial church news. And then obviously we had conferences and albums. But in terms of our actual weekly output steadily every week, there was Pastor Brian's show, um, 30 minute global preaching program, and then church news and weekend testimonies. Wow. And so all that's still going on along with the channel? Yeah. So that's also happening along with the channel, along with us doing, you know, the color conferences and the Hillsong conferences and, you know, albums, you know, album launches and, you know, tours when they happen, we have to make, you know, make media to go on all tours. So that's all still happening alongside everything that's happening with the channel. And if anything, everything's just got bigger and bigger. So like local Australia content's got bigger, you know, all the project side of what we do has got bigger. Um, just because like the day and age we live in now there's such a demand for online content yeah um and everyone wants an instantly you know if you release a single you want a music video or you want stuff to go on instagram so everything that we do has just got bigger and bigger and bigger and then you put the channel alongside it mm. and it's one crazy ride <laughs> can you talk a bit about your experience over the last year and a half oh it's definitely been a crazy year and a half i mean the fact that I found myself in such a foreign, in such a familiar environment, but such a foreign environment. Like I had never been part of launching a TV a TV channel before. I'd never had to be involved in the process of recruiting so many staff in like one hit, um, and all that entails with that. Even my like my role change. Like I went from you know, just managing all of the global content that we do as a church into overseeing um you know like all of the channel stuff and then all of the overseeing the global stuff and overseeing the australia local content so my role literally like multiplied kind of three times overnight <laughs> as well wow um, so it was a it was a massive stretch i mean i know there's that verse in the bible where they talk about your tent in tent enlarging you know i, I can't i can't remember the exact verse but it talks about like you know your tent will enlarge mm-hmm. and it also talks about you know god will never stretch you more than you can handle mm-hmm. but i i joked last year that my tent had like the you know the sides of my tent had just collapsed and they'd <laughs> fallen over and i didn't know what was holding them up and i was like god i literally feel like you've pushed me as far as you can push me yeah so it was a massive year of growing and stretching and you know at the same time i think what's really hard is you're trying to manage and you're trying to run a team and you're trying to hold it all together and but at the same time, you're still also navigating a new job, also navigating managing new people, mm. also navigating launching a channel. So last year was definitely, it was probably the biggest stretch I've ever had in my life. Huge. Um, You've done an amazing yeah, job. thank you. Is there a highlight for you? I think the highlight for me for last year is literally the team of people that I get to work with. Like, mm. I think, you know, the fact that everyone... Um, everyone's just so unified and everyone's just is just sold out for the cause the bigger cause of what we do um and like last year as a team like i just again i saw people in our team that just went above and beyond and just got stretched and grew and i felt like there's a real sense of family in our team and what i loved i think probably a really good highlight is i love the people that um God's brought into our team. Like I feel like before the channel was launched, there's people in our team that 
14 months ago there wouldn't have been a place for them or they just wouldn't have been a place for them to fit mm-hmm. and I think with what we do now and the diversity of what we do now and the diversity of team like I, for me I think definitely our team is a massive highlight like I, I couldn't do what I do and enjoy doing what I do if it wasn't for the group of people that I work with because um, you, you do I feel like we're all in it together like if someone is in pain then you kind of do that journey with them and there's I don't know I just feel like yeah for me it's our team so for your journey overall yeah would you talk about what's kind of been your toughest or hardest moment definitely that whole period of work where I got bullied that was really hard because I came out of that like so broken and so damaged and just so I think that and then combined with coming out of a relationship that you know, the relationship that I was in, I thought that this was the guy that I was going to marry and we'd had those conversations and then, um, and the way that the relationship ended, like he just disappeared overnight, didn't know if he was dead or alive, um, nothing, like his family and everyone just closed ranks, like it was, it was like, it was horrible. I look at it now and I'm like, and then on top of all of that going on, I was being bullied at work. So I feel like, that was probably the toughest, that was probably the hardest season that I've ever had to endure or ever um, ever had to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think so. And then on the other side, like, what would be your proudest or your happiest moment? I feel like I haven't just had, like, one proudest moment or one happy moment. Like, I've definitely, like I said, had a period of, this is literally probably the worst period ever of my life Mm. but I feel like I've had a lot of proud moments and a lot of happy moments like the most recent one for me was probably like when I became like an Australian citizen like because that was that in itself was such a journey it took that took 11 years for that to happen because of so many things along the way so that was like a really recently for me that was like such a happy happy moment because it was such a massive milestone that had been that had kind of come into like come into being um, but then, you know, other happy moments are like, you know, little things like when my nieces were born. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're just like, you can never... Uh, for the first, my first eldest niece, like I was in England, back in England when she was born. Um, and just like being part of that and being like there for an, like being there an hour after my sister had had her was probably like one of the happiest moments. I don't know, I feel like happy moments just kind of all integrate and morph and... Um, but like like last year for me, most recently was definitely when I became an Aussie. <laughs> um, yeah, just because of the journey that I'd taken to get there. Like a proud moment is the fact that I got to be part of a team that launched a channel. Like I got yeah. to be part of a team that pioneered something that, you know, no one had ever kind of done. So that for me is probably, that's definitely a proud moment that, you know, God would pick me to be a part of it and would allow me to be a part of it. So I think, yeah, definitely, like I remember I remember watching, like I was in Pitt Street in Sydney on my phone, watching like the channel launch and just like in floods of tears going, I, I, A, like I can't believe, I can't believe we've done it, like yeah. just knowing what it took and B, that I would actually get to be part of like a moment in history because it is like a moment in history like we'll look back or people will look back in generations to come um, and to know that you were like part of that moment in history when something was birthed and a vision came to life so that's probably I would say that's probably a really proud moment recently yeah those two things proud and happy amazing and then over your journey as well is there a particular um, bible scripture or even figure in the bible that you'd really cite as significant for you? I think one of the key, and it's funny, this is one that goes back to Sunday school, is that verse in the Bible, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. rejoice. Mm. That's, for me, that's always been a signature, like, you know, even like going through some of the tough times, like that scripture's always come back to mind. That's like rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And at times it's like, oh, are you serious? Like, but it's that, I think it's always been that reminder is like, it's a choice. Yeah, so I feel like that one's always been like one of my signature scriptures. And then the other one, I think, like in more recent years, has been you know, in Jeremiah, connected you together in your mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just, and that just, that, that's still to this day, that's, it still blows me away. The fact that like God knew me before he created me mm-hmm. is just like, for me, that's just like a real wow thing. It's like, wow, I can't believe 
you knew me before you created me and you put me together in my mother's womb that just that just blows me away and I think wherever I'm just like become like a bit blah blah about stuff I always again that's another one that I always go back to because I'm like wow god like you're that I can't fathom how big that makes god Mm. you know what a miraculous god he is that he knew me before he formed me so those those are to my two kind of key go-to scriptures and in terms of like I think I think Esther always stands out to me in the Bible and it's that whole you know called for such a time as this Mm. um and yeah that always that whole thing just resonates with me that it's like you know God's called you for such a time as this and I always relate that back to like Esther's story and her journey and you know the purpose that God had for her and he called her at a certain time for a specific purpose so she's definitely someone in the bible whose kind of story and journey like resonates with me and um almost helps kind of just helps her come to life at times because it's you know you've seen people go before you and you've seen people written about in the bible that you know god called them for such a time as this and you know he had a plan and a purpose and nothing was done for no reason amazing and are you able to sort of sum up for us what's at the core of what you believe i mean i guess the core the core of my faith is probably like the whole the whole biblical story the whole reason that you know god sent jesus to earth was so that you know so that we could have like a relationship with him um and that you know he sent his son like again i can't fa- i can't fathom the fact that someone would send their son and put their son through what Jesus went through just for me I guess the core of my faith is having a relationship with Jesus and having a personal everyday relationship with Jesus and knowing that he died for me so that I might have eternal life and knowing that I've got like a a, like a godly father in heaven and that he loves me so much that he would send his son to die for me on a cross Um, and I can't imagine doing life without having like Jesus in my life like I just I often say to myself I don't know how non-Christians I don't know people that don't have a relationship with God do this like because there's so many times where literally like God is like God is your only hope or you're literally at the end of it and you're like God I just don't know how to do this and I don't know how to take one step in front of the other and then you know God will just come and like meet the other side or you know you're crying for like desperate answers you know people that are sick or you know situations that you're in where you just need like an answer and I'm like I guess it's just having that faith and awareness that there's there is there's a father in heaven that loves you and you're not on your own and um I honestly I don't know how people I don't know how people who don't have Jesus in their life do it I'm like I don't know how you do it because life's hard and life's tough but knowing that you've got someone who's in your corner and knowing that you've you've got a relationship with someone that is for you like a hundred percent for you mm-hmm. um and is in your corner and fighting for you you know i read i read i was reading this morning in a book that i'm reading about how like the holy spirit just like is continually like interceding on your behalf and that just oh, that, like that just blew me away because i'm like i've never kind of thought of that like the holy spirit like interceding on your behalf like i know for me like when i get in situations where i don't know how to pray like I start praying in tongues but I'm like again to know that you've got the Holy Spirit that's interceding on your behalf yeah so I think just knowing that you've got a personal relationship with a God and you've got who's totally for you and is totally in your corner because you know your friends and your family like everyone's on your side and they're friends but no one no one of them is ever 100% in your corner um, but with God I think there's that assurance that He's 100% in your corner. No matter what you do, there's forgiveness and there's grace. Yeah, and you can only get you can only get better you by the more you follow him and the more you renew your mind and the more you transform yourself. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then just to finish off, what are you, what are you hoping the future looks like? What are your hopes and dreams for years to come? It's funny because um, like this year, like um, God's like really challenged me to pray like audacious prayers and to really believe and pray for the impossible. Mm. Um, and I think 
there's definitely dreams in my heart that are like have been dormant or like I've been afraid to pray them or afraid to voice them so I'm just really challenged this year just to really almost like just relay those requests to God and just to really like pray them and really just start believing in them believing for them yeah I mean I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about is still you know still doing what I do or getting to be part of what I do and just seeing like the gospel reach people in far and distant corners I don't know what that will look like in the years to come but I know that um, it's definitely something that I want to be a part of and um, and I want to grow in that and I want to see new opportunities um, you know and one day like I'd like to like you know have a family whatever that looks like I don't know but I think for now I've just learned just to kind of like live in the now and just to take each day as it comes and then just to really just to really start praying big bold and audacious prayers and to believe in the impossible. Sparrows and Wildflowers is brought to you by Victory One Media and hosted by Rachel Simpson with artwork by Nicola Gibb.